You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome, awesome edition of the Best Practice Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barron and I have one goal with this podcast. You keep showing up and I'll keep bringing it. Great information to improve your practice and your life. And today we do exactly that with an amazing coach we have here. Her name is Miranda Beeson. And we talk about why objections are a gift and why you have to teach your team to think differently and exactly how to do it. So please listen to this podcast, use it with your team. I promise you it'll make your practice and your life better. So enjoy the episode. And we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know how this works. My job is to bring you the best thinkers, best coaches, most brilliant people in dentistry, and to give you some tips so you can improve your practice and improve your life. And today we're going to do just that with one of the most amazing, brilliant coaches of all time. Her name's Miranda Beeson. And unfortunately for you, she works for me. So for us. And so, uh, and so I mean that like lovingly, she is just awesome. And uh, today we're going to be talking about why objections are a gift. You know, you get them all the time. You get them at the front desk. You get them in the chair. You get them at the supermarket. They're everywhere. And so why you have to change the way you think when you get an objection. So Miranda, thank you for so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. In full transparency, if you guys are listening, we shot this podcast and my computer crashed in the middle of it. And I was like, serenity now. I was losing my mind. I'm like, that was genius. And I'm, I'm like, Miranda, we got to shoot it again. And she's Thank like, you. oh, we do. But uh, I always like to start here. I always like to for people that are listening to know who they're listening to. So Miranda, give us a little bio. Who are you, Miranda? Sure. So as you mentioned, I am a lead practice coach with ACT, and it is not unfortunate for me at all. I love being a part of the ACT team and working with you and for you, Kirk. Um, I've been in dentistry for over 20 years, uh, started working in my uncle's practice back in high school and became a hygienist, eventually transitioned into a front office position, a large case coordinator position, and then ended my private practice career as a practice administrator. 
um, doing some speaking and coaching on the side until I found ACT. And then this has become my home. So that's a little, little short snippet about me and very short, uh, short nutshell. <laughs> yeah. And so you guys are going to see, you know, no different for you that when people come into your life and become part of your team, they make you better. You know, it, it galvanizes all of our thinking up, you know, raises the bar quite a bit. And today that's the goal of this podcast is do the same for you. And Marietta, let's start here. I, the why. I like the why before the how. Why are, why is it important to reframe objections for a dental office? I love that. And you know, I love starting with the why as well. So that's perfect. So obviously having been clinical and front office and an administration, I have seen and heard nearly every objection that can probably be brought into a dental office. I get, I get excited when I hear a new one actually. Um, so yeah, we want to, we want to shift our mindset around objections and consider them a gift. So instead of being afraid of an objection, how can we create an environment where our team welcomes objections? When we have a patient who's interested and they're still engaged and providing us an objection, we have to look at that as just an opportunity to present them with the information they need to help them make a decision. So when we look at objections as gifts, it's really a request for more information. And so that just means they still want more. They're still in it with us. They haven't written off the idea of moving forward with that recommendation just yet. So if we can shift our mindset, and part of that is building the skills and having some verbiage to feel confident so that we can approach it in a way that is welcoming. We're actually going to be inviting objections in instead of running away from them as fast as possible. Yeah, I think that's the most brilliant part of this is is exactly what you said. Now, remember, if patients don't want to do it, they're going to tell you right away. Nope. But when they say that's too expensive. Now, think about that. They're actually considering it. You just got to help them. And if this was a sales training podcast, which it's not, excellent sales training teaches exactly this. You're handed boulders. They're called objections. And you are taught to grab them and go, thank you so much for this boulder. I'm going to set it right here because it sounds like that's pretty important to you. And we're going to deal with the boulder because that becomes the path. And um, it, it, go go a little bit further that like when they throw you an objection, they're actually kind of like leading you down the path there. This is a request, a specific request, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Again, if someone's just nodding along and walking out the door or they're telling you straight off the jump, like, I'm not going to do this. This doesn't sound like it's for me. Okay, fine. But when they're bringing you an objection, like, again, that's a request for more information. They're still interested. So it's better to know where you stand. You have to identify, you know, what is that true objection? And a lot of times a patient is just really nervous about telling you what their objection is. Maybe they're embarrassed because they're afraid it's going to hurt. Or maybe they're self-conscious about um, other people knowing that they're doing this treatment. Maybe they know someone that works within the practice. Maybe it's about their finances. And then again, that makes them feel a little shameful or embarrassed and they don't want to bring that up. And so we have to create a space that's very welcoming of, of an objection. So I had a team member one time um, and she would, she would, was very honest. And she said, I'm really just not confident when people object. I'm good presenting the treatment. But as soon as they say, 
I need to think about it, or I'm not sure how I can take care of that. She would clam up and she said, I just, I'm not confident. Luckily she was asking for help on how to get better. I love that. Um, so we talked about, you know, a visual and I said, just imagine that you're putting a, a pillow out on your desk, right in front of a nice soft pillow, a nice place for that objection to land. And you're going to welcome that objection. You're going to invite it in. You might even encourage what that objection might be if they're not saying it out loud. Um, you know, like you just use the word, it sounds like. I love saying it sounds like you might have some more questions around the finances. Tell me more about how you're feeling about that. Or it sounds like you're curious how your insurance benefits are gonna play into this. Let's talk about what limitations there may or may not be. So you can put the objection right on that little pillow for them, welcome it, invite it, and create a safe space where they're like, okay, this person's on my side. They're gonna help me through this because until they can build trust with you, they, they might just feel that shame or that guilt and they don't want to put the objection out there. So sometimes we have to pull it out of them a little bit and really welcome that objection. Right, I love this. There's so many things that come to mind as you share these concepts, Miranda. Number one, if you're a dentist listening, it's all about trust. You know, you have to really understand what that means. It's not about money. It's not about how cheap. The more you can build trust, the better. Number two, you got to remember a lot of your team members have never had any good training on this. None. They're just thrown to the wolves. We joke that we don't really onboard them. We just waterboard them and we expect them just to survive in the wilderness or in the water there. And then number three, if you're a dentist and you've never trained your team member on this, you've turned away millions of dollars of opportunity in three decades of practice because team members, in all fairness to them, sit up front and go, wow, they just said it was too expensive. Okay, call us when you get a chance and out walks an incredible opportunity to help somebody. It, what we're really talking about is being an advocate, like really positioning yourself like I'm an advocate. I'm going to help you. I'm actually going to ask you some tough questions. I'm going to put that pillow out there and you're going to put everything on the pillow. And I'm okay if you don't do it. I'm totally okay. But let's put everything on the pillow, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And what I find is most team members, it's one of two things. They're either, they're either taught the transactional part of being a front office administrator. So let's talk treatment plan because this isn't just right. in the front office we can talk about how this happens in the back office too but if you're if you're taught how to make the transaction when you're brought on board like here's how you open the treatment plan here's how you print it and here's how you post the payment right it's very transactional but there isn't focus on that relational aspect of that role then you're not going to be able to openly build that trust they're not going to feel right. as comfortable inviting that in you know, then there's the people who want it and get it, but they just don't know how to do it. And so that's where it comes into, again, that's why I love from a coaching uh, standpoint, being able to work with teams and give them just one or two phrases that they can rely on time and time again. But it is first mindset, you know, that relational mindset, building trust. And then what is the, the tangible way that we can approach that? So you know, it happens in the front and it happens on the back, but I like to encourage people to, to again, visuals. People, we all do really well when we can visualize something. So if you're, if you're talking about your patient wanting, needing fluoride, you know, you, you know why they need it. You've talked to them about why they need it and they're still just not sure. They're still creating some objection. 
don't immediately take it personal or get upset or defensive. And now you're visually sitting across the table from that patient looking at this problem. Slide up next to them figuratively <laughs> sitting at the table. Be shoulder to shoulder looking together at the same problem on how can we solve this solution? How can we push through this objection? How can I help you to understand the value and what we're talking about? So a big part of it is just, again, getting your mind wrapped around, we're on the same team. You're not objecting to me, right? You're objecting to what I'm offering in this moment. And let's just figure out why. How can right. I help you? Absolutely. And so I don't even know why I feel this way, but Miranda, you can help me with this. Like I've noticed some of the best consultation rooms never have hard edges. Everything is a oval, you know, um, some of the best I've ever seen were half moon tables where the dentist sat right next to the patient. And some of the worst ones I've ever seen were the big oak desk yep. with the de with the patient on the other side in a big chair. And, you know, so, I mean, it, it's not about a desk. Let me say that it's, it's about the mindset and where you sit with the patient. Um, also yeah, this figure, figurative and literal thing to that. You're exactly right. Like you want to visualize sitting next to them, but if you can create an environment where you're actually sitting next to them during like a large case treatment presentation, I agree with you completely. If you have a, a it's, it's basically a division, right? And it's creating a you against me versus a, you know, a living room vibe. Like we're all sitting here casually approaching this, this matter together. I agree with you. That's a figurative and it can be actually quite literal when you're in an actual consult room. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So don't get hung up on the furniture. That's just one piece of it. And just That's getting right. the other thing is to really acknowledge their thoughts and feelings. And can you explain that, that they are truly valid? Yeah, absolutely. So this concept really comes from that theory of motivational interviewing, which is big in healthcare, and it has really started to, in the last probably five or six years, pull into dentistry quite a bit. Um, so a big piece of motivational interviewing and in change behavior is affirming the patient or your client. So, you know, their feelings are valid. Their feelings are their feelings. And so we just need to acknowledge and affirm the validity of that. Um, there's been times when any one of us has been in a situation where we are in a consideration phase of a product or a service or uh, a trip or a car or anything. And we have to really contemplate, can I do this? Do I need this? Should I do this? What are all the other factors going, in, going on in my life that, that this could impact? And so that's real. It's real when they're having those thoughts and feelings. And so, yeah, we have to just tell them like, patient, I completely understand where you're coming from. If I was in your situation, I may be having the same questions. Would it be okay if we take a few minutes to talk that out? Just make sure they know, again, it's gonna build little pieces of trust every time you open up and have those conversations. So acknowledging and affirming that their thoughts and feelings are valid. Even when you don't know what they are yet, you know, like I said, you, they don't always tell you what the objection is, but even acknowledging, I can sense some hesitation. I feel like you have some thoughts around this, or I feel like you have some feelings around what I'm recommending. Would you share those with me so we can work through that together? That is brilliant. And again, you're inviting even more objections or clarity around the objections. And then this has been taught, I mean, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. And so early, we didn't even know why we were teaching this or doing this, but we found feel felt found has been around forever. So that's an illustration of that. Can you explain that one? 
Yeah, that's a oldie but a goodie, <laughs> tried and true. So right. I love feel, felt, found for two reasons. One, it builds in that affirmation. It builds in that concept of we're on the same side, but it also provides the person who has to um, approach that objection with a little moment to create clarity in their mind. So I'll share with you what I mean. So feel, felt, found is basically just saying to someone, I, I understand how you feel. You know, maybe you're going to say, I have felt the same way before, or many of our patients, right? That social proofing, that herd mentality. Many of our patients have felt just like you. What we have found is, and then you can go into your kind of so that, your why. And so when you have the feel and the felt always the same, I understand how you feel. Many of our patients have felt the same way. That three to four seconds of verbalizing that, in the background in your mind, you can be decompressing, taking that kind of breath and formulating the found and like what's going to come after that. It kind of gives you a little, a, a pause, even though you're speaking, it's a pause in the background to, okay, now I can approach this found and I can handle this objection with this patient. Yeah. Now go back to that. You said one of my favorite things, which is the herd. You said social proofing and herd mentality. There's another component of human trust that's critical with that. What is that? Yeah. So for example, if you've ever seen, you've gone to a concert or an amusement park or anything, if there's a line, you know, people gravitate to the line, right? They want to be a part of kind of whatever's going on, what's happening over there. And so it's just that concept of no one really wants to be alone. When And I always talk about DISC and I know we talk about that a lot in our coaching and on podcasts and, you know, a significant amount of our population are S style, 69%, I believe. And then we have our I style, which are also very people oriented style. And that's about 11%. So, you know, we're at well over the majority of the population who have an attachment to being a part of something and that people connection. And so if you can help people to understand, like, you're not alone in this, there's been plenty of other people, many other people, most of our patients, you know, you can phrase that however you want, then they feel like, okay. I'm not standing over here alone on this island with this objection. Like they've encountered this before, so they can probably help me. And I don't need to be ashamed. I'm not the only one. Yeah. It's so funny you say that because the other night I picked up my son from baseball practice and his buddy and they're like, let's grab some food. So we pull in and we were thinking, all right, we're going to go to that restaurant, but there's nobody in the parking lot, but the one right next to it jammed. So my son's like, we're not going to that one. There's nobody in there. Like it looks like it's safer over there. And those people must know something, you know? And I was like, okay. And it was great. You know, so yeah. like, um, we don't even know why we're doing it sometimes, but you're exactly yeah. right. There's very few people that are just going to like stand on their own at, you know, the top of the mountain, like doing their own thing. Most of us want to know that we've been there. We don't want to be the first. How many people right. are like, you know, Christopher Columbus, not that many are going to explore and be the first to take something on. Right. And, uh, and just also to go to a little bit further in like high dollar discretionary dentistry, like your patients are scared. Like, I don't want to know yeah. if this is the first time you've ever placed and restored an implant. You got to let me know. Like we've done this for many people. Many people have been, in, we do this all, you know, if that's yep. true, you want to let them know like, Hey, you're one of many, you know, so that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, and again, this doesn't just happen up front. So, right. you know, we need to talk about this happens in the back. This happens in the hygiene chair quite often. It happens probably, I'm going to throw a stat out, 
20 to 30% of the time that you go to take x-rays, somebody yes. says they don't want to, right? Okay. Or fluoride. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. We can, let's have some fun. Okay. So let right. me be, let me be the, let me be your, your pain in the rear patient today or, or just the one, you, know the one you're going to help with. Objections. That's right. Okay. So, um, I, Miranda, I don't want to do x-rays today. Oh, Kirk, I would love to hear a little bit more about what your concerns are around that. Well, I was talking to my brother and I have heard that that thing is like, I heard people get cancer from that. It's excessive radiation. It's dangerous. And I saw something on YouTube about it too. <laughs> well, I can totally understand how you feel. I promise you, you're not the first patient who has sat here and felt exactly the same way. Maybe they've seen the same YouTube clip that you did. What we have found is that when we're just using our clinical judgment to evaluate your teeth and gums, we're missing over half of the picture. We don't really feel comfortable guessing on your health. So would it be okay if instead of guessing on your health, we just take a few minutes to talk about what that radiation exposure actually looks like for you? Wow, you're good. You are good. <laughs> like that was really good. Um, of course, for sure. <laughs> You know, now some of you might be listening and go, well, that's Miranda. She's an expert coach and it's years and years of being committed to being better. And I think the important thing, Miranda, is like this isn't just talent based communication. You can bring everybody along in the journey. First of all, they have to understand what you're talking about here with inviting objections. And then I think it's also important to give them some, you know, we always say you know, if you teach a person how to fish, they fish for a lifetime. But the truth is sometimes they just need some bait and tackle and we got to show them how to use the fishing yeah. pole a little bit. And I think it's good to do some, you know, some training on this. When it comes to x-rays, it's good to have a three point three and a half by five card. And even if Miranda is like your best team member who's good at this, let's find a way to share that wisdom. Don't you agree? I agree completely. So one of the things I love is creating kind of anchors. So there's this concept of when you walk into a store and a sales clerk says to pretty much anyone that walks into a store, is there anything I can help you find today? And we have this just go-to response of, no, thank you. I'm just looking or something like that, right? right. It's, it's along those lines. So if we can create those in our team members, so you might not say, you know, handle that objection just like I did. Cause again, like you said, I've been doing it this way for a long time, but you can start somewhere. And right. if you have a little nugget that says a little card or a cheat sheet in your operatories, here's what we say in this office around x-rays. So I understand how you feel, Kirk. So many of our patients have felt the same way. What we have found is, and then you have these three talking points that everyone in the whole office knows. This is kind of our talking points are our philosophy around our anchors around x-rays. I love it. I love it. And again, back to the whole idea, these things are coming to patients are placing them on the pillow. So get everybody, you know, you know, anchored into that whole idea. And what do we do when they put them right on the pillow? So yeah, because I love what you said earlier, like how much money, if we want to talk about the profitability, there's also the factor of how many more people can we help? So how much money walks out the door every single day if we have team members who aren't confident with handling objections. And in the same breath, how many people are losing the opportunity to be healthier and to be built into this trusting environment with us if we're not approaching those objections in a healthy way? And I promise you, I did it 
for years. I didn't, please don't ask me any questions. Please don't ask me any questions. Just do what I'm asking you to do. Cause I, I didn't feel confident as a clinician early on to really handle those things. You're exactly right that it takes practice and it takes time. And when a whole team is committed and they're like, Hey, we're going to work on getting better about objections. We, we, I heard this podcast. We're all going to listen to it. I want us to be better at welcoming objections. And so then the team puts their heads together and you work on, okay, this week we're going to work on x-rays. What else is a big objection in this practice? Fluoride, great. Next week we're going to work on fluoride. Okay, crowns, great. Next week we're going to talk about crowns until the whole team is on the same page around all of those most heavy hitting objections. And they feel like, bring them on, patient. Let's go. Like, I want to help you. Okay, let's go back to that. Let's let's give them a, a for instance. Okay, so hey, Miranda, I don't think I I really need fluoride. Okay, Kirk, tell me a little bit more about why you feel that way. I'd love to help you out. Well, I hear all those the studies, and it's not they haven't really proven whether it's healthy for the body. And I, you know, I'm just I just don't know enough about it, and I just I I, I don't know. Like I, I just don't think I need it today. Well, I can completely understand how you feel. So many of our patients have felt the same way. And what we have found is if we take a few minutes to talk through your concerns, I'll share with you the risks that I see for you and your mouth specifically and why I'm making this recommendation. And then we can talk about those concerns that you have and you can decide if that benefit outweighs the risk for you or not. Okay, so that was extra brilliant because number one, you took my objection and you also said, hey, look, come with me. I'll walk you through this. And you still have the choice to say no. Yes. I think yes. it's really important. We're, we're not coercing patients. This podcast is not about how do you paint patients in a corner to get them to say yes. No, we want to take these, you know, honor that, educate them a little bit more. And then I think there's so much power in this type of conversation to let them know they still make the choice, right? Absolutely. I mean, I always say anytime a patient is in my vicinity in a practice, I am working towards your agenda, not mine. Now, I may have things that, I'm looking for and checklists that I'm following and all of those things. But ultimately you chose me to serve you and this is your body and it's ultimately your decision. Now, I feel like it's also because you chose me to serve you, my responsibility to be equipped with the communication strategies, the knowledge, the experience and skill to then provide you with the best benefits when you're here. And that may be making sure you are making, like if I just let you have that objection I know, I get it. I know a lot of people feel like you do. It's fine. We don't have to do it. But what if you have a really high caries risk, exposed root surfaces, I can barely do your hygiene because everything's so sensitive, and you don't realize all of the benefits that a varnish application can provide you compared to it being a topical, not systemic product and all of these things. Now, there are going to be people that still don't move forward right? There's going to be people that still need to go home and process. They're ju- they just can't make a decision on the fly. Fine. But if you take that opportunity, if we just had that conversation and you still said, I think I'm still going to pass, they're going to be more likely to at least look a little deeper into that subject or consider it a little bit more the next time. When their teeth are sensitive, when they're eating ice cream at home, they're like, hmm, I wonder if that fluoride would have helped. Right. It doesn't mean they're ever going to change their mind, but they may. And they definitely trust you more and respect you more for validating their feelings 
and having that open conversation. So next time they have a concern or a question, they will be so much more likely to bring it to you than they would have if you had just shut it down or shut down yourself. Yeah, I love it. And the brutal truth of this is that many of you listening, if not all of you listening, have a practice within your practice. Some of you have two practices within your practice. And some of the practices we see, there's like four dental practices in these charts of dentistry that's never been discussed, but yet we're trying to do Facebook ads to attract new people we don't even know. Like there's a, you're sitting on a mountain of opportunity and where it exists is going deeper in these relationships with better verbal skills and better mental, you know, frameworks for how to do this. Now, we've been talking a lot about clinical. Let's go up to the front because if you're a front desk team member listening, you're like, okay, well, you guys don't know what I deal with. Uh, front desk team members, admin team members get this constantly every hour. So um, here's one. Miranda, I, I don't know. I want to go home and think about this. Okay. So first off, that happens all the time. So I love that you just brought that one up. So, okay. Well, Kirk, I totally understand how you feel. A lot of our patients, once they see all of this, it can feel a little overwhelming. They may feel exactly like you do. What I've found is usually if you still need to think about it, it's something around the finances, or maybe it's something around understanding clinically what we're recommending. I'd love to have the opportunity to help you while you're here to have all the information you need while you're considering this. What else do you need information about? That is brilliant because 90%, if not higher, of team members at the front say, do you have any questions? And (laughs) inevitably the patient says what? No. No. (laughs) You missed a tremendous opportunity to even go there. Now, will you save them all? No. But think about this. What if you helped 30% of the people with the pillow? And they ultimately said, yeah, I do want to do this. And they thanked you later for it. It's tremendous. What's another one that comes up at the front that you might think of um, from admin teamers? This is too expensive. This is a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I would say, so here, well, this is not really feel felt found, but this is one of my favorites Um, because I worked in a practice where we did do a lot of large cases. And you mentioned large cases just a few minutes ago. Um, I was just talking with one of my client teams about this the other day. A lot of times patients will say, I mean, that's a car payment, Mm -hmm. right? When you really break down like financing or something around a large case. And I love it when they say that because I agree with them. I tell them you are exactly right. You know, it may be four or $500 a month. These, you know, large all on X cases, this could be 800, $1,000 a month sometimes if they're financing the whole thing. So I tell them you're exactly right. It is. However, you would get that car and drive it for about five years, two hours a day. You could make the same investment in yourself and in your health, and you're gonna use it 24 hours a day, possibly for the rest of your life, at least for the next 20 years. You can decide which you'd rather invest in, but you're exactly right, patient, it is. Brilliant. Sometimes I would even put it out there. I know this feels like a car payment. (laughs) Wow, you, it's like you're going right there. You're not afraid to go right there and validate exactly what they're thinking, right? Now, with that being said, I'm not afraid of it at all. Some of that Mm. is my personality. And so we talk about, you know, when you have the people collecting money, you want the people who can be comfortable having those hard conversations, approaching objections. If you have someone presenting large cases, it does need to be someone who can be very confident in, in a tough situation like that. 
Now, in the same breath, it's also just I've been doing it for a long time. Right. And so when you mentioned practice, and that's why I love bringing that up again, I don't want anyone who hears this. If a team member is listening to this, a front office team member, a clinician, and they say, I tried that, feel, felt, found, I did it one time, it failed terribly, it felt horrible, I'm never going to do it again. No, you have to keep trying. You have to try again. Because the more you do it, the better you're going to get. And you will start to see the change in the relationship and in the conversations you have with your patients. You just have to stick with it and you have to keep trying. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now, I, I'll just say this. If you've listened to the podcast this far, this is what I'm going to suggest. This is really good stuff. This is like practice changing stuff. And there are very few people that teach this anywhere. Now, I'm biased about this. So Miranda is going to be doing a course here at the ACT Dental headquarters, and it's coming up pretty soon. So if you're looking for an opportunity uh, for, is it, it's two days, it's two days or is it one and a day half? Day and a half. It's a day and a half of, this is just a 30 minute podcast. Could you imagine a day and a half where we're walking through a lot of these scenarios? So Miranda, can you tell us about the course? What is the course? Who can come and what are you going to cover? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's in March, uh, March 16th and 17th, and it's going to be primarily for front office administrators. So we're going to be talking about the systems within the practice that the front office is responsible for. But we're going to be talking about it in a slightly different way. It's not just the how do we do these things and what are the best practices, though that'll be you know sprinkled in. We're going to be talking about how do we intentionally approach these systems? How do we use language, communication, relationship to intentionally approach all of these systems to have a greater level of success in the long run? So really? it's, it's going to be built a lot more around some of what we're talking about today, just mindset and intention with everything that we do. That is brilliant. If you're not taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes in iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. It's going to be right there. You can click right on the link for what Miranda's talking about and you can sign your team up and you can come, which I'm going to highly encourage you to do because it's very hard to get your team to do anything without the support of the doctor. Now, I'm not saying it won't be beneficial. It'll be hugely beneficial, but we need our leader to be bought in on where we're going. That's a really important component. Marina, this is just awesome. Any last thoughts you have on why objections are a gift? Absolutely. So let's see, last thoughts. I would say two things. Often the first objection that someone puts in front of you may not even be their true objection. So working with open-ended questions as much as you can. I know you mentioned just a minute ago, do you have any questions? That's a a closed question, right? You're not going anywhere with that. But if you ask your your patients, your clients, open-ended questions. When I mentioned earlier, I said, tell me more about your feelings on that. Or you can ask someone, you know, uh, again, I sense a little hesitation. What would be helpful in you making this decision? So again, you're creating an open paragraph forum for them to fill in the blanks with something other than a yes or a no. And a lot of times people will lean into, that's a lot of money as their first objection, because it's just top of mind, but there's something deeper. So even if you figure out the finances, if they're still wanting to think about it, the value is not there, or they're afraid of the pain, or they know someone who's done this before. So you do have to keep asking those questions, those open-ended questions to really uncover what is the true objection. And then the second thing I would say is, again, just use feel felt found. Again, it's not mine. I didn't create it. It's been around for a really, really long time, but it's such a handy tool. 
when you're first getting started in these conversations. It's a nice, easy, quick go-to. I understand how you feel. Other patients have felt exactly the same way. What we have found is, and then work with your team to come up with those anchor statements, those top of minds that you can fill into the found and just start there. You got to start somewhere. That is awesome. Rena, absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Yeah. So, you know, again, I'm biased about this. I'm a CE junkie. I love learning. I love being challenged and I love really good thinking. And so if you're a dentist listening to this, please do not just listen to it by yourself. Share this particular podcast with your team members and say, hey, listen, I want us all to get better. Not like, oh, you need to work on this. That's not a good, that's not a good share suggestion. Just share it with your team members. Say, hey, let's talk about this. Let's embrace this thinking that we can turn objections into a gift. I promise you, you're going to have more opportunity to help people you love. It's going to make your life so much easier. And you're going to watch the people that you care about, which are your team members, grow. They're going to go, wow, like I'm getting better at this. And you can say, yes, you are. So, and then you have to celebrate each other when yes. you see it happening. Wait, wait, wait. Go back to that. What? Like you have to explain that because that is crazy important. What does that mean? Gosh, well, how often do we acknowledge the things that our team is not doing well? And I say this both ways. Team has to acknowledge and celebrate their leaders, too, when they see them making change and making progress. But as a team, we have to celebrate each other. If you overheard someone use Feel Felt Found and, like, make some change with someone, you shout them out, like, at huddle the next day or in the moment, you have to celebrate each other as you're working through these challenging concepts. If it's just the negative all the time, we're going to give up. If we can be positive and celebrate each other, that's when everybody really rallies and gets motivated. Right. What if we put a cowbell in there and every time they do yeah, party horns. Yeah, party horns. I don't do something like to yeah. re- reward that behavior. So it's so cool. So awesome. Absolutely. Miranda, that was so great. So stick around. We say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show podcast. The heart of this whole show is this. We're just going to keep bringing it. I'm going to bring great thinking, great frameworks, great tools you guys can use so you enjoy going to work. So keep spreading the word. And until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time keep watching or listening to the best practices show you guys enjoy your day so there you have it another great episode hope you guys enjoyed it hey and thank you for showing up i just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends and if you're really enjoying the podcast could you do me a favor Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.